Okay, I have a question. I want to know, have you ever pretended to be somebody else? Mm. Jessica, you. Great. Fantastic. I have done that several times. I, <laughs> I, several I, times. Yes. Yes. Well, in college, I worked at a call center. It was a uh, one of those places that calls you to ask you to do a, a survey. And it was a super chill place to work, like one of the best jobs on campus. And they mm. didn't care. So I would put on like I would try to sound like <gasps> Mitzi from Wisconsin or I would try to sound or I would try to sound or I was studying French so maybe I'd put on a French accent and then you know I'd be <laughs> oh Francoise or whatever uh, but you know the hard thing was 90% of people say no sorry I can't do a survey uh, but when they did I had to do a whole survey about goat meat in a Your very accent. Yeah. And, if, and I think it was the Wisconsin one. I said, okay, and would you store goat meat in a large uh, freezer if you had one? <laughs> like, now, oh Jessica, my God. you don't know this, Lord. but my fam- I have family from Minnesota and they sound very much like that. So and do they store goat meat in their spare freezer? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. But I feel like it's funny because I have one of my aunts has lived in California for a very long time and she still has a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And so you can hear it when she, when she talks. So she'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just so funny um, and, and very endearing. So I would think if somebody asked me to do a survey in that accent, I would be like, yeah, sure, why not? It's Maybe I should have nice. just done it all the time that way. Um, yeah. The the thing that I got caught one time, though, because my sister oh. and I were going to a uh, – we were in uh, – going to Mammoth Cave, which is in Kentucky. And my sister and I were like, we're going to be con- we're gonna be Southern when we go in there. A real kind of mm. kind of dick move. We walked in there. <laughs> we were like, all right, well, hello, everybody. We're excited to get ourselves a chicken, you know. And they <laughs> knew instantly that we were full of shit. <laughs> they were like, oh so what part of Kentucky God. did you say you were from? We were like, oh, Fort Thomas. <laughs> uh, uh, which is Cincinnati, you know. And they were like, "Oh, all right, well, um, all right, well, we just." And my sister and I were sitting there, like silently eating our chicken, like we can't talk, we cannot continue we- to talk. So we just silently <laughs> ate this chicken and then booked it. And they were like, "These assholes came here today. We don't, know, we don't know why they said they were from. Kent- there was nothing for them to gain. I guess they just felt like tr- joking around." <laughs> that is really funny. I I was sitting here wrecking my brain trying to think like, have I ever tried to pretend to be somebody else? And other than like, you know, acting and doing improv, I don't think so. Like, yeah, you haven't done anything to like get any personal gain. I don't think that I have other than like giving out like a fake name or anything like that. Mm. I do have a have a lovely mom who has a very good ear for accents, mm. speaking of accents. Oh. And when people Diane. start Diane, when she starts speaking in accents, um with she starts speaking in accents when she's talking to somebody who has an accent. So Jessica, your story kind of reminded me of that because she doesn't know she's doing mm-hmm. it. She becomes so the like Madonna it, kind of situation where yeah, it does. Uh, it becomes a Madonna situation. <laughs> and she starts picking it up and she starts parroting it. It back but not knowing it right so to right, anybody right, right, who right. doesn't know that my mom is a very sweet person would think that she's <laughs> just being a jerk oh this is just person just mocking me yeah. <laughs> yeah okay great and i'll like i'll when she starts to do it i'm like stop it because she we were around somebody who um was from ireland the other day 
And she started doing it. And I was like, stop it. You're you're doing you're it. You're sounding like- Becoming you know, Irish. Yeah, you sound like a leprechaun. Knock it off. She's like, am I? I was am like, I? yeah. They're gonna- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you have to stop. You, well, okay. So I haven't pretended to be someone, but I guess I also kind of like- they, I do have a story, but it's not about me pretending to be someone. I was visiting a friend recently, and we were at a little soiree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to give too many details away, but we were at a soiree. Wow, this sounds – I'm already intrigued. What details is she withholding? <laughs> right. I don't want to identify anybody. But basically, uh, there were um, – a bunch of women gathered and one of them was clearly she had an accent she was clearly from like the united kingdom somewhere mm. and um but her accent was very posh now if you know anything about british accents english accents there are so many there's literally i believe hundreds of dialects of like just within like the british isles so anyway um this lady she her accent was definitely southern english definitely very posh definitely was coming off as like high society okay Mm -hmm. uh i only am an expert in this because i have uh dated many anglos um i've congrats (laughs) (laughs) thank you jessica thank you so much um tipping my hat and um And she, someone, I think, point blank asked her, where are you from? And she said, Wales. And my mind immediately, like, perked up. And I was like, huh. And I even, so then I go. Was she faking? Was she faking? Yes. And I go, well, am I an asshole? Guys, tell me real, real. Am I an asshole? Because I said, oh, (laughs) funny. You don't sound like, you don't have, you don't sound like you have a Welsh accent. Because she didn't. Yeah. And she looked at me like you like, called her black. Like I just exposed her. Wow. And she w- and and as she goes, "Oh, well, um and I go, "Yeah, like my good friend is Welsh and she has a very different accent than yours. You mm-hmm. sound more you sound more like English to me." And I again, this is something I only know because I have run amok with many, uh, many an English run person. Uh, I know, run <laughs> it's amok. getting saucier and saucier. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, very long story short, this is a real thing that happens in the UK where people will change their accents on purpose because they don't want to be identified from where they're from. And mm. honestly, I just lost respect for that woman at, at that moment because I was like, clearly, you're in. Florida. That's the only identifier I will give. You're living mm. in Florida now, mm. and you don't want any of these people to know, you know what I mean, that you are, you know, Welsh or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because, un- you know, unfortunately, I think it's uh, a lot of the UK look down upon the Welsh. Um, they're seen as like farmer people. You know, this is obviously stupid uh, to have any of these thoughts, but accents are so important. It's a key indicator. I mean, we have this in the U.S. and we have this probably of like everywhere your status, in the world. right? Yes, like of your of status like what- and what part of society you're from. Um, or so what she class, wanted to be unquote. more the crown and less Love Island is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Michelle. Well, Kimberly, I have a uh, an important question to ask you, which is we now know that oh, this yeah. was a secret party in Florida. Were you at Mar-a-Lago? 
Was this, <laughs> was this at the famous Trump resort? This um, happened. Cam, no, I was I, hanging with Cam Jeffrey Epstein. A double, okay. um, <laughs> just as bad. Cam, Cam right, with the ultimate double life. <laughs> yeah, he just made it time. <laughs> yeah. went from bad to terrible. The bad to terrible. No, I. funny Ooh. enough, I did grow up um, in um, the Palm Beach County, uh, Palm Beach area, but West Palm Beach, not Palm mm. Beach, where all the rich people are, and the perverts. Um, Great. I, yes, I lived on i lived in west, west palm beach, beach but this is yes <laughs> uh no uh west palm beach and then there's perv beach, perv beach um right. <laughs> perv beach the island so yes i i did not run amok with any of those pervs thank goodness but um you know this party was not in that area i will interesting and it, i will say that yeah so Looking back, I probably was an asshole uh, <laughs> at that point, but you know, I don't know. I, I don't just know. I don't know that you were an ass about it. I think that it's. I think that. I wonder if she's ever been called out before. I think it's interesting. That no, you because she's her running out. around in Florida. You know what I mean? Trying to impress yeah. these, you know, ding dongs. I'm from Florida, so I can talk bad about Florida. But like, <laughs> it, it, you know, she's running around with these like basic bitches, probably thinking, "Oh my god, she's so fancy." Um, I bet they love a Welsh accent. I bet they wouldn't know what, that. That you know what they that put, is exactly. the thing. That yeah. is exactly what Good I mean. Point. It's like I love accents, no matter what they are. I love them. Um, I embrace them, and I love a good Welsh accent. I love the variety of all the different British accents available, freaking lean into that. Like, I it's don't know. It's too bad she's embarrassed by it. I'll go back to, so it, my dad is from the Philippines and one of the things that used to drive him crazy coming to the US is when he would meet uh, people from the Philippines who grew up like my dad did. My dad grew up fairly fairly poor and like not in like any fancy neighborhood at all. Um, he grew up like in the barrios of the Philippines. And so he was very, he's very much like a self-made man. And one of the things that frustrated him was he would meet somebody who was also from the Philippines that they would pretend like they were very like big time mm -hmm. and they would put on like these airs of like where they grew up and everything. And he was just, he always said like, you know, just own up to where you're from, you know, be proud of it. Because if you've come really far and you're successful, you should be proud that look at how far you have come and that you're a success because of that, not despite of that, and then pretend to be something you're not. So we have a phrase in the Vare household of big time operator. You act like you're operating <laughs> like you're big time, but you're not really, you really probably just grew up poor as well and pretending like you didn't to impress other people, kind of like this lady in Florida, because not everybody knows, I guess, like the Philippines and knows all the ins and outs. So it's easy to pretend. And that's like she was being BTO. Mm. Speaking of big time operators, speaking Ooh. of being full of shit, uh, speaking <laughs> of uh, pretending <laughs> no, to be someone you're not. <laughs> but in a good way, not yes, in a I bad know. way. No, I know, I know. But like, and, uh, speaking of. Today's episode, audience, we're so excited for it. We are talking characters living a double life. Mm. That could mean so many things. And I'm so excited to talk about this theme, living a double life. And that third very lovely, very beautiful voice that you've been hearing, very Why, funny voice you. as well, <laughs> is the lovely Jessica Coyle. She is a comedian. She is an improviser. She is a Yay. fellow podcast host. What, what? 
of a very funny podcast y'all need to check out called Made Up Talk Show. I was very lucky to have been a guest. It is a lot of improv. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot of making stuff up and pretending to be someone you're not. It is. It's very fitting, this theme that we pulled together mm. today. But um, Jessica, we're so excited to have you. Yeah, welcome, I'm so welcome, excited welcome. to be here. This topic, this crushing fictionally, was a <laughs> major part of my young life. Ooh, major, yes. major, 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 huge. Yeah. I can't, I don't know anyone. I mean, have you met people who've said, mm, I've never had a crush on a character. Does that happen? No, no. I mean, how? <laughs> everybody has, everybody has one, and I will say that people have very strong feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's like the if, thing. Like that's people, the thing. We get a lot of people who will be like, "Oh, you know, they'll offer up like who I love when I was a kid, or you know, my first crush was so and so." Or I get a fair amount. I don't know, Kim, if you get this, people will be like, "You know, it'd be a good topic for you guys." Mm. Yes. Oh my you know, God. Like, have you, you guys talked should, about da da da? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you should talk about this person. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, a, you know, sometimes there's good suggestions. For the most part, they're pretty good. Or they're people that we have on the show and we're like, oh, yeah, come on and talk about that person. What are I the characters that. that have come up that have been brought up over and over and over again? Who's, who's a common crush? Honestly, it's been all over the map. Wow. It's all over the map because that, that is the thing I think that is like why Michelle and I came together and made this podcast was we, you know, Michelle and I developed a friendship and we were always into like TV movies and just exchanging wrecks all the time and being like, oh my God, girl, can you believe insert character name did this? Like, you know what I mean? As if mm-hmm. they were real people. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think, you know, the show, yeah, there's definitely an element of like having a, you know, a romantic crush on a character, but there's also like a element on the show of, uh, damn, that woman's a badass or mm-hmm. dang, that person's like, mm-hmm. could be my own. I love him like he's my <laughs> own you know what I mean like he's one of my own and I I think that's the thing I find so fascinating about fictional characters is how attached we can get to them they're not real but they cause real emotions in us and that mm-hmm. I think is so fascinating and I like that sometimes people will say um was it was it Cruz who came on? And he's an actor, and he was saying mm-hmm. that one of the reasons that he got into acting was because of one of his favorite fictional characters. And I was like, I love that. I love that idea of, like, you saw somebody on screen, and they were so appealing. And, like, like you're right, Kim, they're not real. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're not, not real. Not real. <laughs> but they inspire people to go do things in life. So, yeah. So we get a lot of strong feelings. But nobody who's, uh, like, I have yet to see somebody say, I don't. I don't have, I don't have anyone. Mm-hmm. My best friends in high school and I, like my closest group of friends, met because we were all on a The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest message board. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and it turned out that like five of us went to, we're, we're going to be at the same high school. That's so all of these crazy high schoolers, and it was like, ah, Peggy! Oh my gosh, Val! Whoa, Courtney! Oh my gosh, Aaron! <laughs> We're all like super into Johnny. What? I don't think that would happen today. I don't. I think that the world is too like their, their interest. It's so much more normal to be a geek that mm-hmm, I don't think yeah. you would like you would find this niche thing, and then mm-hmm. suddenly you would find out that it just happened to be people in your. It was. Such a wonderful coincidence. But I, I think that, that, yeah, like it really brought me to this group of friends who ended up being my really close group of friends in high school. I love, I love that. that. And Johnny Quest. character bringing you to real Quest. people. Yeah. Ooh. Friends in real life. 
Yes. I love it so much. All right, folks. uh, We've talked a lot. Um, We are so excited to get into characters living a double life. So let's go ahead and formally start the show. Welcome back to Crush Fictionally. It's Michelle Veray with uh, my writer, Di, and I guess sometimes calling out people who live in a double life, uh, Kimberly Trong, which I love. Maybe that's why we're friends, because she does it, and I love it. And we're joined with lovely, uh, lovely, lovely guest, Jessica Coyle, who is a fellow podcast host and comedian, improviser. We're so glad we're talking double lives. Such a pleasure uh, to be here. This is awesome. I'm excited. This isn't a topic we really talked specifically about, but as I was thinking about characters that I love who have been living double lives, it's not really limited to like superheroes. It can be. I think we may be talking about some superheroes today, Um, but it's not limited to superheroes or comic book characters. Mm -hmm. Like I started thinking about some of my favorite characters are the ones who are pretending to be something they're not. That's like the Mm -hmm. ultimate double cross where they're like, the masking as the bad guy, but they're really the good guy, but you don't know until the end. Um, <gasps> so it's like, what are there? There's other characters out there, mobsters, assassins. I don't know. What do you guys think? What other characters other than like superhero characters are out there living a double life? I mean, this might be, uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to, well. Is it going to disclose your choice? Probably going to disclose my choice and show my cards early on. But I think you've got, I think it's yeah, like you said, it doesn't have to be these big time, like um, larger Super than life power. type characters that are living double lives. I mean, really, when I started thinking about this topic, I think a a thought that came through my mind was how many of us normal people are living a double life in a lot of ways, hmm. whether. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it's like lying to ourselves about like um. I, uh, I, in real life, I'm a, you know, I'm this kind, charming person or whatever. Um, but then I have this like seedy, you know what I mean? The seedy thing that I do online Mm. or whatever. Guys, I I don't mean to call out anybody's (laughs) porn history or anything like that. (laughs) But I think like it's, it could be as simple as that, right? Someone who is like, um, I know we... I didn't mean to laugh about it. It's not something we should laugh about. But Jeffrey Epstein, I think that is another um, horrifying favorite character case. Of many. Oh, sorry. Oh yeah, not I'm, a not <laughs> no, a, not a favorite character. But no. I think an awful real life um, real life example of someone who was living a double life. Um, someone who appeared to be this very successful, wealthy man uh, Mm -hmm. about town, but he was doing these awful things behind closed doors, unfortunately, with the help of other people. So I think um, it could be as horrifying as that, or maybe like, uh, I don't know, maybe... uh, I used to work with a woman. This is all I'm going to say. I'm not going to identify these people. Back in Florida. Hush, hush. (laughs) (laughs) But 
I used to work with a lovely <laughs> lady. And Her she name was Ivanka. Go ahead. Tell me. <laughs> I swear to God, I do not run with the Trumps. If you thought I, if I was, do you think I'd be doing this podcast? Um, <laughs> Just reference any of our other podcasts from 2020 and you'll know that Kim's definitely not a Trump. Supporter. Unless I'm living a double life. Ooh. Oh my God. That's like the ultimate burn on me. Oh shoot. I'm doing a double cross. Um, but uh, maybe I used to work with this lady, lovely lady super uh super smart intelligent and was extremely by the book like mm. you could not wiggle out of something if there was a rule that the corporation had set you had to stick with that rule she was gonna f- enforce it and she was gonna make sure that you enforced it and that everyone around her in this place of uh work that we were in enforced the rules mm-hmm. now outside of work that woman was a damn freak she mm-hmm. was a freak of nature i mean party girl um and that's all i'm gonna say that's mm-hmm. all i'm gonna say but and did like, you, uh, can you say how you found out that she was having this whole other life outside of work because I was invited out to party with her um, and other co-workers and she was just very open with me about her sexuality which I ha- again I'm not here listen I'm not here to judge anybody's freak right. status freak flags let it fly I- I'm su- I support anything as long as it's safe and consensual but like I just couldn't believe it because in my mind I saw this straight-laced geeky girl who was very much by the book and to see her like again up goes this freak flag outside of work was very interesting to me but anyway i think it can run like i think there's a spectrum of living a double life now i'm not saying she's doing it on purpose like she's trying to hide one from the other i think there's also there's that element of like, are they trying to hide it? Or do they have like, sometimes people just have two separate lives that they want to keep separate for obvious reasons. Like your work, people don't need to know about your, you know, freak status outside of work. Right. Mm -hmm. Anywho. um, I was thinking like the sort of definition that I find attractive in a way that draws me into a show is I, I, my most recent show that I watched that I really loved was Peacemaker. And it's... Oh, I've been meaning to watch that. With John yeah. Cena, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. And I just, you know, it's this character who could not be... It could not be more aggressive, uh, you know, brash, all these other things. And then he goes into his trailer and he just cries. Mm-hmm. And he turns on heavy mm-hmm. metal and he weeps. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, that part of it, that part where you see him crying, that part where you see him suffering and struggling, that is the thing that makes me want to watch every episode of that show. Yes, because there's yes, so much you can nuance. let that character get away with Ooh. once you know that he's really trying, you know. There's also there's this book that I read called Lake Success. Um, and mm. it is probably the worst character you'll ever see in the world that are and the author makes him this character suffer throughout the entire book but Mm -hmm. there's something about this character that wants to be a good person and you sense this kernel of desire to be a better person and the character goes from like literally the heights of being a billionaire to like doing horrific things in bathrooms like Mm -hmm. just and just because 
all that this character wants is to is to be better and just has no idea how to do it, is to be mm-hmm. a decent human being. And mm. that's the stuff that I love. Just someone who's struggling to be different yeah. than how they are. Ooh, I love that. Ooh, guys, I am so excited about this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle, do you have any thoughts around that in, in terms of like, you know, double lives? Why do we find it appealing? Why do we find it appealing in characters? Yeah, I mean, I think to follow on what Jessica, Jessica you said is like, I think that there can be that struggle. Like maybe it, it maybe you are trying to be something that you can't be in your normal life. Like Kim, maybe for your old coworker, it was that she couldn't, she didn't have the ability or capacity to do what she wanted to do in, in her like private life at work. So like she had to overcorrect and be like super by the book and by the rules and everything else and very strict. Um, but yeah, I feel like I think they appeal to us because there's like this whole unknown. There's like this mystery. And I think that's why at least the characters that I am drawn to, these characters who are like low-key badasses or like they're – bad pretending to be good but they're really bad like there's something mm-hmm. just very like mysterious and like unknown about it and i think that's uh, that's why they kind of like draw me in because they're very like multifaceted characters they're not just like that's how right. boring would your old, co- old co-worker be if she was just strict and by the book i mean yeah imagine her like imagine if that was her in like bed <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs that. Nobody needs that. Well, um, that's what that's what I struggle with with movies like like the Transformer movies after part one, like any of the sequels. I'm like, how am I supposed to care about any of these characters? You haven't shown us that they have anything that's dr- – that I, I don't want – I don't care about a character that has one layer, even if that one layer is good. Mm-hmm. Like even even like a character like Wolverine doesn't do much to me because everything is on the surface. He all of his to me, all oh. of his struggles are on. the. I, I want someone who like like they turn around and they're like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you that's what know I that they have like depth. And yeah, secrets. Yes. Not just like you know. this, yeah, secrets and not this one note. Although character. people would disagree with me about Wolverine and I uh, Kim will disagree with you. about Maybe Wolverine. not the best <laughs> choice. Maybe not the best choice. There's other ones. There's other ones. It's because I, he doesn't know his past. Uh, He's confused. <laughs> uh, let the ching, man try ching, to figure sh- it sh- out. Sh- and he's got like, <laughs> yeah, he's got a, what's it? Uh, what's the metal called? Adamantium. Uh, thank you. Adamantium. Ad- 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 don't ask me to say scientific words. It's not vibranium, but go ahead. <laughs> it's not vibranium. Different, different steel. <laughs> different, different. Um, all right. Listen, Steele. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. We gotta get into these. We gotta get into these crushes. We gotta. We gotta. We gotta. Because I'm dying to hear them, Jessica. Because you are our guest of yes. honor. You are gonna go first. Who is your favorite fictional character living a double life? Okay. Um. Well, it's so hard for me. I have a list here. I'm gonna say Clark Kent in Lois. And Clark uh, for a double life character. Um, But honestly, I was a little kid and it's hard. So my metric for was I obsessed with this show? Did I love the show? Was this really a huge part of my life was did I go to mass, sit there bored (laughs) and fantasize about this show? (laughs) And I know I have a distinct memory of sitting there just remembering Clark Kent, uh, what was his name? Dean Coons sitting there. Uh, Dean and Clark, right? Dean, Dean, well, Clark Kent. Dean, Dean Sorry. Coons is a, a romance author. Oh, yes. No, no it's uh, Dean Kane. 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 Dean Kane. Dean Kane. Dean Kane. Speaking of tr- big Trump supporter, Dean Kane's big Trump. Trump supporters. Oh. So it's totally fair that you like his fictional character. More I do. Than his I do. Real, uh, you don't even have to know his real name. 
Same with David Duchovny. Honestly, I don't care about David Duchovny. I loved Fox Mulder. That's what I Oh, loved. I mean, how can you not? Yeah, Fox Mulder. Fox. Like, everybody okay. did. So he was living a double life. But what, what, what drew you into Clark Kent? I, uh, honestly. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was a hottie. Like, yeah. I remember watching that show being like, damn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably Let- was just as young as you. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. I think we're I'm about gonna, the same age. You know what? I'm going to put a pin in that because I truly cannot remember. It's my t- and I and I. This is why I, I I'm I'm going to switch gears a little bit to Xena and Hercules. <gasps> oh my God! Brother yes, I've shows. talked about Xena before mm-hmm, on this mm-hmm, on this yeah. uh, show. Yes, yes, tell me I more. Mean, well, so I think that these two, even let's just say Clark Kent, great example. Can't remember it. Too young. Um, but <laughs> Xena and Hercules, I. I, I think a lot of what I loved about it was all the queer baiting that was on this show. Oh, my God. You know, yes. Nonstop. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, they're going to kiss. Oh, they're going to kiss. <laughs> Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? <laughs> With Aeolus and Hercules and Xena and Gabrielle. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, and I thought kept me watching both of them because sometimes they would guest star on each other's uh-huh. show. Oh, yeah. And they Crossover, would take together and they would like clasp hands together and. Uh, yeah, as a young, like, weirdo, like, you know, <laughs> questioning my own sexuality, all this other stuff, I was like, I was like obsessed with this, sh- these shows. And I do think they were, they, all of those characters were living double S because I do think Eolus and Hercules were fucking. And so were Zena and Gabrielle, for sure. We just didn't see it on screen. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Agreed. I think that's a really good argument to make. Um, I definitely watched Hercules and Xena, Warrior Princess, growing up. And um, I think the th- I think I could probably – well, no, actually, both of them. I think both of them are characters who did have a past, you know, and mm-hmm. especially Xena. Xena had an awful oh, yeah. past, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. – I think she was always still fighting those demons of who she was before, but trying to change, right? So is there is this like double life standard also to the warrior within her wanting to just kill, some, you know, wanting to just kill and get violent in order mm-hmm. to get the things that she needed in order to quote unquote better society, but also fighting that demon and realizing, oh, that may not be the way that might not be. Uh, the way to actually bring peace um, to the people. So I think that's a really solid argument that, again, this goes back to the spectrum of what I, I think what I was trying to say earlier of like double life doesn't have to be this like literal. I'm yeah mm-hmm. so literal. I'm running into a phone booth and then I swirl around and I change into Superman. It doesn't have to be that extreme. It yeah. can be um, – I think more an internal battle, right? Well, also both of the sidekicks on that show, I think had a, they were both struggling to express themselves as well because Gabrielle was like this innocent, yeah, but she had a lot girl, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and she had a lot of like she became a real just as strong as Xena by the end. She it became was a beautiful, like what yeah. a beautiful arc for that show. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love Xena Warrior Princess. Okay, so uh, you so you love these shows. Um, do you remember how you got into them? 
Well, uh, probably just like, you know, now with the wealth of Netflix, HBO, Hulu, I think I think you would hear about shows. But I think back then I would just turn on the TV. And yes. I think I was like, ooh, oldie <laughs> time looks interesting to me. Um, yes. And I would stay up so late because it was on past my bedtime and I would sneak down into the basement. And then yes. my sister, yeah. Nora, would sneak down after me and we would sit there watching <laughs> Xena. I don't think she even liked the show all that much. I think she just liked hanging out with me late at night. Oh, cute. <laughs> which was cute. But I, we would sit there and watch and they would be back to back. I don't remember which one came on first. So I think it was just that was how I stumbled across it in the, in the first place. But uh, and like, you know, Lois and Clark, I think I was watching with my mom. I mean, yeah, mom was definitely yeah. looking down, looking over at Superman being like, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> a gorgeous man. Dean Dean Kane. Oh, my Kane, God. That, yes. Dean Kane in his absolute prime. I think, oh, it was. In that show. Yeah. It was. It, what did he, did he do anything after that? I know uh, he hosted a show. He hosted a show that I, hmm. do you all remember um, Fact or Fiction? What was it called? It was like a, what are those? It was a show where it would reenact things and you would have mm. to guess if it w- it was real or if it was fiction. <laughs> I, I, I like <laughs> it. It sounds up my alley. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he did a lot of hosting after that. But yeah, uh, that's besides the fact. But okay, yeah. So we have um, Superman, though. Now, Superman, for sure, living, you know, the extreme double life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, Little double life. But can we also just laugh at the fact that the, no one recognizes him just because he puts glasses on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, but yeah. I did see like a funny meme of um, – I'm trying to think of who it was. Maybe um, Zoe Deschanel, you know, because she's very much known for her like her heavy bangs yeah. and use, and like glasses. And somebody did a side-by-side picture of how we normally see her with just with the heavy bangs and the glasses – to like an old photo of her where she had a completely different hairstyle and her hair is like back and they're like, now I get it. Now mm. I can see why people would think that Clark Kent and Superman are completely different people. <laughs> That's a, that is hilarious. <laughs> I, I mean, a haircut like really can change a person. <laughs> it Let, really let's be can real. change a face. It let's can. be, yeah, let's be 100% real. There have definitely been men where like I seen them get a nice clean haircut afterwards and I was like, you should be this way all the time. Yes. Never <laughs> not be this way. I remember uh, walking up on my friend uh, and current co-host, Mark, on Made Up Talk Show, and he had cut his hair. He was wearing contacts. He was wearing, like, nice clothes. And it was like, oh, oh, why, why don't you look like this all the time? <laughs> you look so good. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> like, you look phenomenal. Like, take this outfit, buy 10 of them. <laughs> rotate it. Only, Just yeah, exactly. rotate it. Just this, wear this time. every single day. I was um, astonished. I'm t- listen, I am a it's so funny. I I wouldn't consider myself a fashionable person. I wouldn't even consider myself a totally vain person. But there is something to be said about um I guess uh caring for your appearance in a way that like again, I'm not saying like heavy grooming or anything, but like an outfit that fits you nicely. Mm-hmm. Um that is clean and unwrinkled and a haircut that accentuates your face. I think I it really can make the difference in you a person. You can become the Superman of your personality. You can be yes. your own personal Superman. Your yes. own personal Superman. I do think that like I I, I love watching those transformation shows. Um 
Like Queer Eye is a great example oh my God, for anybody Queer who Eye wants the like a perfect example. If anybody wants like a feel good show, um, Queer Eye on Netflix and they they the Fab Five, like there's five of them. Mm-hmm. They they take men and women and kind of give their whole life a makeover. But my favorite part is when one of my favorite parts is when Tan France, who is responsible for like their clothing mm-hmm. and and how they look and and sometimes like glasses and things that you know whatever they go about wearing, and you see such a transformation in the person when they come and wearing their own clothes and you know maybe they're lost a lot of weight or something and so they're wearing clothes that don't fit them frumpy and he, yeah, yeah ill fitting and and they feel you know not that maybe they're feeling like um, insecure or uh, not confident and. Tan puts them in these clothes that like really make them look fantastic and they look like like Kimmy said, like a different person. And there's just a change in how they carry themselves, the look on their face. And it's such a feel-good moment because they're Mm -hmm. just like – they're feeling themselves and they're just like feeling all that confidence that they should have carried before just because, you know, they put on – something that is very flattering. And I love that moment. I think that's so great. Right. I wonder if – Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say real quick, like the thing I love about Tan is it's not about fashion. That's not the thing for him, right? It's about finding clothes that fit you and your personality and literally fit your body, like fit your body in the right way. There was a really great show that I want to shout out back in the day. Do you guys remember Tim Gunn's Guide to Style? It was on for, I think, a minute. And if, yeah, I love Tim Gunn. If you love Project Runway and you love uh, OG Project Runway mm-hmm. with Tim Gunn, oh, I love Tim Gunn. He's a person that I don't know in any way, but it, I like. He's your crush. He's your fictional crush. He's like crush. my, yeah. you know what I mean? I feel like he's a loved one. I feel like he's uh, an, an, in my family. But he had this wonderful show that didn't last very long mm-hmm. where all he did was go through your closet and help you find things that actually fit you. And then found you essential pieces, um, essentially coming up with a uh, what they call what's it called a capsule wardrobe. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So basically, you have twenty to thirty pieces that you just constantly rotate that you know fit you well, are good for all occasions, like or any occasion, I should say. And um, it was a a very educational show because it taught me about tailoring, mm-hmm. which, and I was in my 20s watching this show and I was like, oh my God, I can buy a pair of pants and if they don't fit me perfectly, I can go to the tailor and get them to fit. Like, I don't know why, you know, why I didn't know that before, but I think that's like, I'm probably a good sample of the average person who's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, if something doesn't exactly fit me, it doesn't mean that I can't buy it. I can still buy it, but I should go get it tailored mm-hmm. so that it actually fits my body. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he was really good at teaching stuff like that. And that was my first experience with like looking at clothes, not from a fashionable, trendy point of view, but more so from like a fitting you your literal body um, and making you feel good. So anyway, um, Jessica, you're going to say oh, something. Well, I was thinking like, just to think about how we could relate this to the interest in these kind of characters. I think it's still along that theme of striving, you know, yeah. along the theme of, you know, like just, you can say, okay, just like these characters in real life are, and maybe they've, you know, I've put on 20 to 25 pounds in COVID and I have, 
you know, a f- closet full of clothes. Everything you see behind me, ladies, probably doesn't <laughs> fit me anymore. And I should just go accept that and go buy new clothes and, you know, whatever. Um, and I think that these characters are constantly, these characters we're talking about are constantly on a lifelong journey of, I'm not there yet. I don't know when I will be there. They don't, they have that, they lack that confidence that there's not something that is fundamental that they need to change about themselves. I think you could mm. say that for all the characters mm. we've been talking about mm. today. Mm. Okay. Interesting. I like, oh, I like that a lot. That's a good point. I love that. Michelle, do you, uh, we want to get to our next crush. Do you want to yeah. drop yours or should I drop mine? I will. I will drop mine because I will say that my character um, goes through a full transformation. Um, and I quote this character a lot. So I will say, hello, hello. <laughs> uh, yes. My, oh, my God. Yes. My, my favorite fictional character living a double life is Mrs. Doubtfire, played right. by Robin Oh, Williams. my God. How did and I not pick that Mrs. one? Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire. Hello. Right. Um, hello. I do that sometimes when I'm like on calls with people that I'm meeting for the first time or like on <laughs> conference calls where you're like waiting at work for more people to join. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. But I love Robin Williams in this. Um, I wa- re-watched Mrs. Doubtfire recently. I will say not everything holds up as far as um, – some of the comments that were made because of when this movie came out. So um, we don't have to touch on that. Not all of it is aged perfectly. No, it's not um, aged perfectly, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater because yeah, the overall exactly. theme of the movie is beautiful. It's beautiful. For those who don't know, uh, Robin Williams plays a dad um, and Brian, Brian Hillard, and he is, he just kind of struggling. He's a voice actor and, um, very funny and very playful, but his wife is kind of like Kim's old coworker, very strict and by the rules, by the book, and they just aren't getting along. And so, um, they're getting a divorce and, uh, Robin Williams, character decides to try out to be the nanny. And at first I think he's just kind of trying to not allow anybody else to take care of his kids um, because he's going through this divorce with his wife. But he turns out and it turns into a whole nother double life for him. Mm-hmm. And he creates this character of Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, it's definitely worth the watch even through some problem problematic maybe commentary here and there that I think you can fast forward with. But it's so great. Um, it was shot entirely in San Francisco, uh, so which beautiful. is why it like warms my heart. Um, Nathan Lane they, also. Nathan Lane is in it and oh, fantastic. Um, so good. Uh, and uh, it's just so good. It was supposed to be originally set in Chicago, and I like that they moved it to San Francisco, and then it was shot all around town. You can still go visit that fancy home that – uh, the Hillards lived in in Pacific Heights. I did not know that it was based on a novel. And La Cage aux Folles, <laughs> the the musical, right? La Cage aux La Cage aux Folles. I don't think so. I don't think so. It was ba- it was based on a 1970s novel hmm. where this woman said that she uh, was going into this like old like brick brack shop and she never met the store's proprietor ma- named Madame Doubtfire. And so she just thought this person was fictional and then she wrote her book Madame oh, Doubtfire. 
Oh, also too earlier. I think you were thinking birdcage. I'm thinking of the birdcage. Yes, sorry, 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 sorry. But right, there Nathan is... Lane's in that. Oh my yes, god, yes, I'm yes, totally yes, mixed yeah, up. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking of that Nathan Lane was the brother who does the prosthetics. No, for oh us. that's gosh. Harvey Harold Feinstein, who's very <laughs> funny, who is yeah. very good, very very, very as, funny as the uncles. Um, it took over four and a half hours to apply all of Robin Williams's makeup and get him into like full prosthetics. And the thing that I love that I read as I was trying to do some research about Mrs. Doubtfire is that they would just let Robin Williams just kind of go and like what he would call like play with the script. So they'd have him read off the script the first like two takes. And then they would have anywhere from like 10 to 15 takes of one scene where he would just improvise. Oh my God, yeah. Master improviser. And uh, Chris Columbus, who you guys know, who was a director from both Home Alone movies, two of the Harry Potter movies. He did Stepmom, Night at the Museum, Mm -hmm. I think a couple of those. Man, he was living it up in the 90s, man. He (laughs) living it up, even in the late 80s, Adventures in Babysitting. Um, Oh, that's so Funny. he, yeah, he did all those movies, and so he had multiple cameras set up on Robin Williams to capture all of the improv. You guys would appreciate wow. this, all of the improv that Robin Williams did as Mrs. Doubtfire, and that, or in the scene, and that there were certain degrees of which uh, Chris Columbus could choose from. So it was like PG, PG thirteen, R, and like straight NC-17. Mm-hmm. So like they had I want to see all- that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, would like, I would like to see the NC-17 version of um, Mrs. Doubtfire. It would not be coming to Disney Plus, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> but I love that. Um, and he's uh, a real I- character who's trying to be better too. Even though there's yeah. that visual transformation, that character has a c- kernel of goodness but doesn't know how to express it and has to learn how through Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, it's, and I think oh. that brings up such a good point because like in the uh, – sorry to interrupt again, but I think that nope. it's, so you mentioned that, Jessica, earlier and as you were talking about characters who are struggling, he is kind of – you see his character in the beginning before he becomes Mrs. Doubtfire just kind of struggling, struggling to like figure out like how to parent his kids, how to get along with his wife. And he's so lovable, but you're seeing him like make not the best he's decisions, right? He's a bit right? of a mess. He's a mess he's, at the top, he, right? He and is. You're, and I'm sorry, messy. like Sally Field, you know, she's like – She may be strict, but she's not wrong in what she's, she's asking. Him too. Yeah. yeah. And he had so, a zoo come to their house. That's inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. There's the goat eating the cake that she no. picked up. You know what I'm talking like, And it looks fun, but you're just like, could you imagine being in her Married shoes? to that. Married to the him. The father of your like, children. Oh, yes. my God. And then Pierce Brosnan comes along. Oh, yeah. Stop. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, I am so disappointed in myself that I didn't pick this character for my number one. How did uh, I miss this? I don't but know. I'm I so relieved sh- that you picked it because I you know what? That makes for up sure for everything. That you would pick it because I almost asked you. I was like, is, "Are you going to pick this down for?" You're probably like, going to laugh at my pick because you're going to be like, "I would have picked that." I'm, I'm telling <laughs> I you, I probably would have. I probably would have. But I think I'll leave you guys with this: that one of my favorite scenes where he does do hello is when um, Mrs. Selner comes to visit. The social worker. The social worker, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Selner, comes to visit um, Mrs. Doubtfire, and he has to – he's dressed up as himself, Robin Williams' character, and so he has to dress up as Mrs. Doubtfire, and the prosthetics aren't working out, so he covers his face in meringue. Originally, they tried it with avocado, and he looked too scary, so it didn't work. (laughs) Uh, But the whole melting, when the meringue melts off his face and falls into the social (laughs) worker's tea, actually happened. They didn't, like, choreograph that. They didn't write it into the script or play. It. it just that they said the lights 
for filming yes. were so hot that it was melting <laughs> off his face. And so yes. I love that bit of improv. Oh. Um and unfortunately, I, you know, what I've heard great stories about him, Robin Williams in real life around town here in the Bay Area and how nice he was to people. So I love that. And there were talks of doing a sequel, um, which went on for a long time. Uh, rumor had it that Bonnie Hunt was originally like, had originally like penned part of what would be the sequel. Oh. Um, then the screenwriter for uh, Who Wrote Elf tried oh. it his hand and then unfortunately we lost Robin Williams. So all mm. good. I think that Mrs. Doubtfire is like Elf. It stands alone. I don't yes, need any don't other do sequel it. It's or the perfect prequel movie. Or, I mean, it's still got problems, but yeah. Yeah. Storyline. those little issues. Oh, it's, it's so, a perfect so, so movie. Good. It, it, tr- I love that movie along with Tim Gunn. Robin Williams is like in my family. Like he is like yes. my uncle Rob. I, was devastated when he died and to learn that he was um, suffering so deeply. That was so heartbreaking to learn. But I grew up with this movie. I think I accidentally uh, rented it from like the library and then never returned it. And I just watched (laughs) it over and over and over again. This was a movie that really stuck with me as a child. And I think it has such a beautiful message about divorce Mm -hmm. and how there's life after divorce and how parents can, you know, they don't have to be together in order to love these children and to provide these children with a really happy, um, two very happy, loving homes. And I, God, I love so much about this movie. And man, the ending, the ending is like perfect. Oh, and I cry he's every kind time. Of like, uh, me too. Like I'm getting teary. I just thinking of it. it comes full circle. And there's a very funny moment where in there in this restaurant and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire loses her teeth in like a, a <laughs> water cup or whatever, which which Robin Williams apparently had planned, but nobody in the cast and crew knew. So if you go back and watch that scene, the shock that they have is genuine <laughs> shock. And it Pierce happened Brosnan and tra- trying to help him fish it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh trying to help God. him fish it out. So I just love that there's so many moments that are improvised and that, that he was so like beloved by the cast and crew and that he was really trying to give Pierce Brosnan Pierce Brosnan a hard time when they're in that same restaurant and he's supposed to, Pierce Brosnan's character is supposed to be choking on a shrimp. Oh my and that he scene. couldn't he couldn't do it straight because Robin Williams kept kind of like teasing him and giving well, yeah, him a hard time. Yeah, he's in his ear like <laughs> he's like, come on, boy, come on, stay with me, stay with me. Like I mean that. That that is a scene that I think from end to end you have hilarity at the top, then it mm-hmm. then it's scary, and then mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking at the end because Sally it feels feels characters like Daniel, Daniel, da- Daniel, da-, you know what I mean? <laughs> Daniel, because they all Daniel. realize that he's been living this double <laughs> oh. life, and you have that moment as the viewer where you supported Mrs. Doubtfire and Daniel, not Brian, I called him Brian, but not Daniel, like <laughs> uh, you you supported him in in this journey. And then it it falls apart and it's so heartbreaking because you want him, like Jessica, what you were saying, like you want him to learn and like, you know, be better or, you know, find something in his life that that is, you know, helpful to him or helps him grow as a person. But it, it ends perfectly. So, think- yes. We would be remiss in not pointing out that that exact scene of pointing out that somebody's British accent is not correct is also in Mrs. Doubtfire. 
when Pierce Brosnan <laughs> is saying that. That's true. That's true. Happen. It's I in the true. Are you from? Oh, here yeah. and there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, exactly. <laughs> that is Pierce hilarious. Brosnan pulling a Kim Tron, calling out Mrs. Doubtfire mm. for her Ooh. fake British accent. Ooh, maybe that's where I learned it from, Mrs. Doubtfire maybe. calling yeah. people out. That's but so um, I think that there is. Uh, I want to just like say one last thing about this is that. There is this beautiful thing where we were talking about earlier with fictional characters, and I think this also can apply to the character living a double life, that at the end of Mrs. Doubtfire, um, Sally Field's character Miranda realizes that, yes, Mrs. Doubtfire was fake and was duping her, but how she made her and her kids feel was Mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. The love and the affection and uh, the good times they all had were very much real. And it helped her husband get – her ex-husband get to a real place as like – not as Mrs. Doubtfire, but as Daniel Hillard as like, you know, somebody who isn't so, you know, like haphazard and messy and knows a little bit more about themselves and knows how to be like a good parent to his kids, not just the fun parent. Yes. So – Ooh. That was all very real. Connected so, yes. with his with his coded female self, mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. the learned how to cook and clean and all those things that he would just expect Sally Field to do. Yeah. This is true. There's, yes. I think, a lot of. I know it's not uh, written that way, but I think if you really analyze the story of it, I think there's actually a lot of like <laughs> progressive things to be said mm-hmm. about um, gender mm-hmm. fluidity in mm-hmm. this film. Really, I know there's a lot of. Uh, uh, there's a, the it becomes the butt of the joke at times in this film, mm-hmm. but I mean even the fact that there's like the gay uncles, um, I, I think that's another great call out of like okay here are these people who are um, living different lives and um, living different sexualities and mm-hmm. I don't know I do think I don't know I'm here to I'm here to stand for it. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, but I do understand that there are definitely some problematic jokes within the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a perfect, not a perfect uh, film in every way, but yeah, like we've all said, we shan't throw out the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> we shall not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, <laughs> no, all right, should I go ahead and drop yes, my crush please. in here? Yes, please, yes. folks. My favorite fictional character, who's living a double life. Some of y'all might have seen this coming from a mile away, and I don't care. I love it. I'm, although I'm still disappointed that I didn't pick Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> is Walter White of Breaking oh, Bad. Very now, much double life. Yeah. Now, we've been talking a lot about this, but this is a show that truly, as a writer, as a performer, taught me about characters that you both love and hate at the same time. Mm-hmm. I've never felt such strong feelings about characters until this show. Now, granted, I grew up on television. Of course, I love characters. I've always um, felt drawn and had a magnetic pull to these fictional storylines and these fictional worlds and these fictional characters. But there was something about Breaking Bad and Walter White that really, truly shifted something in me. Um, This show is actually... 
I love Walter White, and I will talk a little bit about him in a minute. But this show is full of people living double lives. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to the spectrum, um, I'm actually going to call out Marie, Skylar's sister. Oh. Marie, she is- Addict. um, She, this is a thing, this is a storyline they had in season one. Thanks, Jessica. That she was addicted to shoplifting. Mm -hmm. They kind of dropped it over the next few seasons, which I'm disappointed about. But again, they were, I can see what they were trying to do. I can see what these writers were trying to do. They were trying to show like, hey, everybody's kind of leading a double life. And that's what I really love about Breaking Bad. Um, Vince Gilligan has... uh, I think I watched an interview with him or maybe I read an article, but he said something along the lines of like, you don't have to agree with what Walt does, but I want you to understand why he does what he does. And I 100% love that. Like I, I love that he is developing characters that are anti-heroes that have like, you know, you look at Walt and he has some really great qualities that pilot, my God, the pilot, Okay, I guess I should rewind. If you've been living under a rock and you don't know what Breaking Bad is, Breaking Bad follows Brian Cran- Brian Cranston, who plays Walter White, who unfortunately in the pilot, he is a high school science teacher. I shouldn't say unfortunately, but the unfortunate part is that we learn that he's clearly not making enough money because he also works part time at a car wash. Mm-hmm. So he goes to teach at this high school. The kids disrespect him. He goes and he works at the car wash. His own students come through the car wash and disrespect him. It is so heartbreaking. And then to make matters worse, the man finds out he has cancer. So it is just one unfortunate situation after another. His wife is pregnant. Um, His teenage son has cerebral palsy. There are just so many things not going the best uh, for Walter White, and um, it's a very tough situation. And <laughs> he basically has a uh, so he has his wife Skylar. His Sky his wife Skylar has a sister Marie, and Marie is married to a DEI agent named Hank. And Hank is this is the opposite of Walter White. He's a man's man. He's loud. He's boisterous. He's, um, you know, super probably toxic masculine, right? But he's great. I can't, I gotta say, I love oh, that you character. Love him. You learn love to love him. him. You learn yeah. to love him. And again, mm-hmm. nuanced characters. But you, yeah, but you don't right off the bat, no, right? Yeah, right off the like bat, you, exactly. Yeah, you're not really sure. They're setting him up, right? Especially in the, those first few episodes for you to clearly see the difference between the two and, uh, Hank constantly questions Walt's masculinity, mm-hmm. um, especially in those first few episodes. But I agree. Oh, my God. Hank. Whew, don't even get me started on Hank and how much I, I end up loving him. But um, Walter White, then uh, being the scientist that he is, is having a conversation with Hank. And they are talking about, like, how they're taking down all these drug lords um, and uh, how there's, like, you know, like hundreds of thousands of dollars being involved in these like meth deals and blah, blah, blah. And it perks up Walt's ears. Um, And then he uh, learns that one of his previous students, Jesse Pinkman played by the wonderful Aaron Paul is a meth dealer. So 
as you can imagine, they become this dynamic duo uh, over the course of season one uh, in terms of uh, Walt knowing the science and Jesse knowing the world um, or kind of knowing the world, knowing the very basics of the world. But uh, the two of them making a lot of mistakes together in season one, as you can see, as they grow, as they get better at cooking meth, as they get more deep into this seedy world of uh, drug dealing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I have a very recent taste of breaking bad because AMC has been doing breaking bad marathons. Y'all mm-hmm. um, on Saturday mornings, you can watch yourself. Feel good a nice- morning. Good Have your morning. pancakes and eggs and a little bit of meth. A little bit of <laughs> a little bit of meth. I'm incredibly side. fucked up, and that's how I spend my Saturday mornings. <laughs> uh, and it's been great. And I think they're doing it because Better Call Saul season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, we're heading into the final, I think part one of the last season is mm-hmm. going to be starting up April 18th, and I'm very excited. And there's a lot of double crossing that goes on between Breaking Bad and and Better Call Saul, um, and the double lives, double lives, and secret lives, and all of that. I'll be honest; it took me probably the first season to really get into Breaking Bad and see the genius of it. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't a right off the bat binge worthy show for me. Um, I think probably because they're setting you, you know they're setting up a lot of like the the nuanced characters and just establishing who everybody is. So I didn't really have um, thoughts on on Walter White except for kind of feeling sorry for him um, that first season. But it took me a while to get into it. And I guess for anybody who hasn't watched Breaking Bad or if you haven't really gone into Better Call Saul, um, it's probably what a person living a double life would say. It's the long con. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> long con, you guys. Stick with it. I would say um, Better Call Saul is uh, definitely worth it for anybody who hasn't seen it. Um, and has maybe watched Breaking Bad or if you haven't watched either to to take the time to watch them because it really does build such so well and is just geniusly done I think it's um Walter White is one of those characters that I have lost sleep about where I have watched an episode and went to bed thinking why did he do that (laughs) like (laughs) why would he do this you know what I mean and um Here's what I'm also going to say, a quick rewind, is when Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, um, you may also know him from, uh, speaking of Fox Mulder, his X-Files days. He was a writer on the X-Files. I know exactly. Meow. When he originally wrote the pilot, it actually takes place in California. Um, So you can actually go find the pilot online if you are hardcore and you want to go read the original OG pilot that was written. It's slightly different to the pilot that you've seen on TV, which is very common. That happens all the time where a pilot gets written and then it gets totally changed as you get into production. Um, But as you guys know, if you've watched Breaking Bad, it is uh, set in New Mexico now. And that... uh, really funny enough ended up helping new mexico's tourism Mm. uh and drawing people to the area to go see the house to go see the car wash to go see all the locations where they shot but i think the thing that i really loved uh learning about this show is brian cranston i remember 
watching him on Malcolm in the Middle, and I had a good old time with him. He is a brilliant comedic actor. He is so funny on this show. He, if you guys remember, he was on Seinfeld. He plays the long-running character on Seinfeld, who's a dentist. Yes, yes, who who becomes who converts to Judaism because he wants to make <laughs> do jokes, jokes, right? Do his <laughs> jokes. And Jerry's like, he that the the. That doesn't work. Uh, so every time he pops up on Seinfeld, it's it's definitely a good time. He's a brilliant comedic actor. And the funniest part is when they were going to – when this pilot finally got greenlit by AMC, uh, it was turned down by like HBO, FX, Showtime. They all like gave it the axe, but AMC decided to pick it up. Uh, they originally offered the role of Walter White to Matthew Broderick yeah, oh, and John Cusack. Oh, which would have been interesting. Would have really changed things, right? Very much would have changed things. I cannot. Matthew Broderick would have done a good job, actually. I think he's. I think so too. I think so because he looks innocent. Mm -hmm. He looks innocent, right? And I. um, So neither of the actors actually wanted the role, and so when they went back to the drawing room uh, table, uh, Vince Gilligan was like, "Man, I need someone who." is going to like, we feel sympathetic for him. He has to have something about him that feels sympathetic. He can't feel like a bad guy. And he actually remembered Brian Cranston from one of the episodes of X-Files that he was in. Mm. And when he went to go pitch uh, Brian Cranston for this role, people were like, the guy from Malcolm, the dad from Malcolm (laughs) in the middle? Because that's what he was because that was what he was most known for but then vince gilligan showed the staff um or should i say the executive producers um the footage of brian cranston's acting from that x-files episode and was like yes he's clearly a dramatic actor he can do this so and he's perfect as walter white he's so believable and perfect he fluctuates for me between that character of like, I'm rooting for him. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Oh, he's making bad decisions. So I can't for him right now. Um, but I think that's the beauty of the show is you have characters making um, decisions for you, Kim, keeping you up at night. But like, uh, <laughs> they're not always making the best decisions, right? He also comes off as very pathetic, very he well. Does. Like, yes. oh my God. He really does. You know, you can see how people would look at him and make fun of him. Yes. Which he does in that one scene, right? There's that one mm-hmm. scene, and maybe it's in season one or season two, Tim, Kim, you can tell me, but where he goes and he goes to meet guys that he wants to deal drugs with, and they look at him and they laugh at him, and that's how, like, Heisenberg mm-hmm. comes about, his, like, alter ego. And he's just so badass in that that he does this really good, like, this – uh, stepping into this character of like being so pathetic and everybody laughing at to being to stepping into this alter ego of like oh i guess maybe you don't mess with him maybe he does know what he's doing that i think is the beautiful character arc of this series is watching walter transform mm-hmm. all the characters transform every single one of them uh has from beginning to end you feel a certain way about them at the very beginning of the series and guaranteed by the end you feel something very different or or something new about them and what i love about walter white now this happens i believe ooh, ooh, i think in season one but of course, he gets another phone. 
because he has a he needs to have another phone to do his other business on the side. And he's really stepping into this now double life of his right of being a meth uh, maker dealer. Yeah. So he has a second phone and his wife, Skylar, hears it and realizes he has a second phone. What is my husband doing with this second phone? Mm-hmm. She actually, again, she's pregnant, right? She's like, she's like big time pregnant too. She's like on the verge, seven, eight months. She's showing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a very poignant scene. And she is in the kitchen and she brings up to him, or I'm sorry, they're lying in bed. And she brings up to him, like, hey, like, do you have the second phone? Of course, I'm like totally trashing the actual dialogue, but he denies it. And she's like, okay. And so then the next morning, Walt is like trying to make breakfast. He's running around the kitchen. He's like doing all these things. And she's just sat there. And he's like, oh, you know, I was thinking about how you asked me if I had another phone. And, um, you know, he's like inserting all these excuses. And like, and all you see, it just stays on Skylar. And her face is just like, this motherfucker is lying to me. Mm-hmm. He is so lying to me. And this is where you also start seeing the transformation for Skylar um, and how she is starting to see this different side of him. And I love what this show has to say about, I don't know, a woman's intuition or whatever you want to call it, or this character Skylar being able to p- pick up on her husband's clear bullshit, but he is scrambling, you know, again, he's making breakfast. He's like literally talking out of both sides of his mouth. And all you hear is the door slam mm-hmm. and he turns around and she's not there. And he runs out the front door and she's pulling out in their car and she leaves. And for the rest of the week, she's ignoring him. She's giving him the cold shoulder. And then finally he confronts her and is like, what is up with this? Why do you, you know, why are you treating me this way? Da, 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 da. Like I, I told you I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not doing these things. What do you think? I'm having an affair. Da, 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 da. And Skylar again, she's just like, tell me the damn truth. And there's this moment where Walt thinks about it mm-hmm. and he sticks to that lie. And he's like, I, he basically said, she goes, uh, I forget the exact line, but she's like, tell me what is going on. And he goes, tell you what? And that moment, I think, solidifies that he has moved officially into this double life mm-hmm. and he's going to stay there. And yeah. his own wife, who clearly sees his bullshit, is not going to bring him out of it. He's past the point of no return. Because he I has think- to commit, right? And oh. he knows that if he tells her, then she is, uh, you know, privy to what she shouldn't be. And so he's kind of going through that whole thought process of like, if I, if I tell you the truth, which I probably should do it's going to involve you and implicate you and it's just really not good and then you're like oh but lying is just going to be but just, i also just think bad. with walter white there's also he likes it too i think oh. he t- mm-hmm. i think he tells it gives himself him power yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i think he tells himself oh this is all for my family and everything else but cl- but as the seasons go on especially oh he God. just gets such yeah. a boner for power mm-hmm. yeah you know? mm-hmm 
It because is. he because he's been laughed at and disrespected for so long. So if you carry that on in your life and then you have this immense power by being this terrible person, um, but you can lord it over people and it makes you feel confident and like it has nothing to do with your other life where the kids in class don't even respect you that you're teaching. Mm. Yeah, I think he, and that's what for me makes him so unlikable. Like I'm rooting for him as the pathetic mm-hmm. teacher. And then once he steps into that double life, once he steps into like Heisenberg territory, it's like, oh man, I don't know if I can root for you anymore. It's amazing to me. watch. It's, I know, I, that is why I love this character. I'm so drawn to him. I'm choice. rooting for him, but also at the same time, I'm like, fool, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> it's been a it's been a wild ride. I've also enjoyed Better Call Saul, which I'm sure I'll shout out later in honorable mentions. But my favorite character, living that double life, other than Mrs. Doubtfire, is Walter White. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, many of the characters of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which I'll mention later on. But we have talked about our fictional crushes living that double life Mm -hmm. we gotta take a quick break but when we come back we're gonna do some honorable mentions and talk about some movies coming out or are out that have a little bit of a double life theme going on when we return Hi, everyone. Well, you know, we don't have any ads as a part of this podcast, but we'd love to give shouts out to organizations and companies that we are excited about and ones we hope that you would look forward to using. So maybe you want to check out Red Planet Books and Comics. And that's spelled exactly how you think. Red Planet Books and Comics. R-E-D-P-L-A-N-E-T-B-O-O-K-S and the letter N, comics, C-O-M-I-C-S dot com. If you go to redplanetbooksincomics.com, you can check out their fantastic selection of native artwork, books, comics, all the very cool things that they have going on. You can shop them at any time and they will ship it right to you. So if you get a chance, all the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico, check out Red Planet Books and Comics. Thanks again for your support. Welcome back to Crush Fictionally. We are talking double lives today with Jessica Coyle. We have been having such a good time. We thought it would be though worth it to give you some, maybe some suggestions about some characters who are living double lives in movies. I think movies, not TV shows, but movies today um, that you might want to watch that are out now. So um, today as we're recording, it is Oscars day. So they're, Mm. they're doing Oscars, I think live and I will say that I spent time watching Power of the Dog, which I recommend to no one. Um, sorry if anybody watched that and I thought loved it was that movie. Okay. I didn't. I don't understand what all the hoo ha was about. I thought it was thank fine. Thank you, thank you. I thought it was fine too. It, it was also so predictable. Everybody was like the surprise ending of the yeah. century. Oh, and I and I also said I also think that same exact thing. I had a friend and I said I'm about to give up on this movie. I like. 
I like it, I guess, in theory, but in reality, I'm 45 and 45 minutes in, it's not doing it for me. He's like, there's something big that happens. Oh, that's a big surprise. And I was like, well, that's a surprise to no one. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, um, feel free to watch Power of the Dog if you would like to spend your two hours of your life that way. If not, um, I have something a little bit better for you. It's a movie called Old Henry. Um, It is also a Western, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only person you may recognize in it is Stephen Dorff. if not, if you don't recognize him, that's okay too. Um, but uh, Old Henry got recommended to me and I watched it and I feel like this is one of those movies that is so underrated. It was definitely entertaining and worth the watch. Um, I'll just read the summary and I won't give too much away since um, giving it away would tell you the ending. Um, it's an action western about a farmer who takes in an injured man. And this guy has a satchel of cash. And so when Henry, the main character, takes this injured man in, he finds that a posse is coming for the money. So now he must decide, does he trust the injured man or does he trust the posse that's coming for the money? Mm -hmm. Um, So eventually you'll find out who old Henry really is Mm -hmm. um, and what his, like, true identity um, and of more about his past, which I don't think necessarily it'll be a surprise. Um, I won't give it away, but it won't be a surprise if you're watching it, who he might be as you watch the movie. But it stars um, Tim Blake Nelson, who you might recognize from where, oh brother, where, uh, where art thou? Um, he was, he's also in uh, Buster Scruggs, which is on Netflix. But this movie, uh, if you want something that's kind of like quick and fun um, in a way and uh, a little bit heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time, I would say go with Old Henry because Old Henry, he be living a double life. He's not just some farmer. Mm. But we'll find totally out what he it. is. Yes. Mm. He's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Kim's dad, Old Henry. Henry. <laughs> Old Henry Trong. <laughs> That's right. Um, uh, I can't wait to see that. That actually sounds really uh, riveting. And I, I love a good uh, Western, Michelle. Mm-hmm. So another film that is out or will be coming out. I don't know exactly when this episode will come out versus the movie. But let me just say that Doctor Strange 2 is coming out and it's coming out on May 6th. Maybe it's already out by the time you hear this episode. But And maybe that's the only Benedict Cumberbatch we need is Doctor Strange and not <laughs> Power of the Dog. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But didn't you like seeing his muddy dongle? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we have Benedict uh, Penis in this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. About 45 minutes in. It looks like you, what you would expect. I like how Michelle yeah. has a timestamp for when. <laughs> I have that timestamp because I texted my friend and I said, should I stick with it? And I was like, oh, there's some, there's something that I did She's expect like, to see. yes, I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> and then he told me to stick with it. And then I was thoroughly disappointed an hour and 20 minutes later. <laughs> okay. Whether you're coming for the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, uh, penis, uh, Kim, Benedict Cumberbatch penis. Sorry, I can't say that all at one time. Uh, whether that's what you need, the power of the dog, or Doctor Strange 2. Doctor Strange in uh, the multiverse of madness. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if double life, I'm sure I, double life is the exact right word, but there's definitely going to be some doubling up happening up in here 
when you mm. start introducing a multiverse. Am I right? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm very excited for this film. Michelle, I'm sure you're excited for Benedict Wong uh, per usual. Yes, yes. Um, I am. <laughs> I have no expert when it comes to Marvel. Um, Kim is my guiding light. No, I'm not. <laughs> for when I'm really I have, not. Uh, for when I have Marvel questions, who's this guy? What is? It? Do I care about this person? You know what you do? Um, you ask me, and then I ask Brandon, <laughs> and then I go back to you with the answers. Uh, and I appreciate it because it really helps me. I've watched none of these movies in their correct order, so it's very helpful. But yes, I'm really excited Same. about the sequel to Doctor Strange. Um, I guess there is a little bit of double life happening in Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, which has been out for a while, which I think you can now watch on Disney+. Plus. Um, but totally worth the watch and has one of my favorite actors who plays a villain that, man, I just can't keep my eyes off of. Tony Lung, who is like a certified mm. – uh, a movie star in his native Hong Kong and stars in this movie and people might be seeing him in Shang-Chi for the first time. But if you want my, like, I can't, I couldn't talk about him because I've already talked about him in our mobsters episode, but if you want a great double life story, watch him in infernal affairs, um, which I think you can watch on prime. It's a little bit dated, but um, it is what the departed is based on. And Mm. in my opinion, better than the departed and Tony Lung is, uh, he's playing that best double life in my life, in my mind. So some good things to watch. Um, if the Oscars do not grab you this year and a reminder, better call Saul, April 18th, the final season, we're starting the the rollout of the final season of Better Call Saul. Oh, I got some predictions that I hope <laughs> are going to come true. I won't say them on here, but I'm excited for that. All right. Honorable mentions, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, Jessica, do you have any honorable mentions for characters who didn't make it to the number one spot exactly, but were living that double life? Yes. Um. Okay. So I think the character of Worf on Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh. Is definitely living a double life because he both has his his urge, his deep, his deep, deep urge to live true to Klingon traditions and 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 all of that. But also he cares so much about being respected on the Enterprise. So mm-hmm. he's torn into at all times. He's also a father and he's torn between being the kind of father he thinks he should be and the kind of father he wants to be. Mm-hmm. So he's a he's one of my favorite characters of all time. Worf is amazing. Anytime Ooh. I'm watching Star Trek and a Worf episode comes on, I just can't wait. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I would say The Last Unicorn. <laughs> She's a unicorn. She's a unicorn, but she also has, she's the only unicorn who knows regret. So she feels she has a deep inner life. This unicorn, the last unicorn. Um, uh, I'll say Goliath from uh, the Gargoyles because he has honor and tradition that he wants to honor his people, but also he's, he's drawn to this new world of New York mm. City. Um, I'll say those are my three that I think are true, double live, amazing characters. Oh, I love it. I love that. I love it. Michelle, do you want to throw out your honorable mentions? Yes, I got a couple here. Um, well, we were talking about Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, and I would be remiss if I didn't give out a shout out to Saul Goodman, uh, oh, Sip and Jimmy. Yes, great. Uh, you took mine. Great. Check that off. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Bob Odenkirk. I mean, I love him. I will say, also starring in a role that is playing a double life as Hutch Mansell in the movie Nobody, which is out now and you can watch. And I... 
Um, I loved it. It's if you like John Wick, you'll probably like this movie. Mm. If you like Bob Odenkirk, it's called Nobody. Like it. It's called Nobody, and uh, he's not who you expect him to be. But there are so many good twists and turns in this for me, and um, he's great. I love him in it. Um, I will give out to uh, a shout out to Shang Chi. Simu Lu, who is uh, <laughs> who's playing Sean, uh, not Chang, uh, but close in the movie. Uh, but I love him in this lead role, and I love him as a new Marvel character that we get to see. I also love Cat from Euphoria, played by Barbie Ferreira. Um, who Kim, you were talking earlier about some people just might do stuff in there as like hobbies or in, and they may have a side hustle. That's really interesting. And cat in euphoria is maybe like this shy girl that nobody really necessarily pays attention to, but online she is writing some hot, hot fanfic oh. and um, everybody is all about it. She's very popular online, but it's very different for her in real life. And in the very first yeah. season, I love her character arc in that. Um, I've got to say, Jodie Comer as Villanelle in Killing yes. Eve. Yes. Oh, man. Her style in that first and second Damn. season, I die for. Um, I mean so that sexy. in the best way. She's so mm. sexy. She's so cool. She's living this cool life. She's making murdering look absolutely stunning. Um, and, she <laughs> and she's sound- funny as hell. And she's funny and she's got these accents. Um, she was a really close second choice for me. Um, in this and then when is it not the year of Brad Pitt I mean Brad Pitt right now is in <laughs> the century the, of is, Brad Pitt <laughs> centuries you guys um, I'm not lying I do love him I know it's, it might be a little bit controversial but I do love him and Angelina Jolie and Mrs. and Mr. Smith um, as assassins who are married and in love but also trying to kill each other um, he's looking fire in this movie so I have to shout it out and I will shout out that he looks like fire in The Lost City with Sandra Bullock he showed he up oh was that and- good was that good Oof. I had a great Oof. time yes okay. I had a great, great time. time I love Patty Harrison so I was tempted oh she uh, is so funny in that there's one line Divine that Joy I- Randall who I'm a huge fan of she's uh. in it um, Daniel Radcliffe is great in it. So I, I loved it all the way around. I and I will say that it was a packed movie theater of all ages and all genders, and uh, there was a collective gasp when Brad Pitt showed up. Well, now it's so now it's spoiled for me. Thank you so much. I could have been shocked when I was very surprised in Spider Man. I think I'm the one person who saw Spider Man. It was genuinely. <gasps> Shocked at every revolution. Yes, so so yeah. I've, yeah. I've gotten my one big surprise for the year. So it's okay. I'll be waiting for, for Brad Pitt. I'll be waiting. Yeah. I Because well, I show him in the trailer. So oh, you kind okay. of expect him. In yes. The, you oh, kind yeah, of yeah. It's not a surprise. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, okay. I just don't know. The way they introduce him in the film is so is, funny. Okay. It's okay, good. Okay. So that's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. And that it was nice to have everybody have that collective feeling about a fictional character. And I was like, he's still got it. 2005 and Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Smith and 2022. Too. It's so good. Shout out to non-dairy or keto or whatever. <laughs> no, remember in the movie he doesn't do keto. In the Lost City, was it like Channing Tatum's character is like, you do keto? He's like, no. <laughs> anyway, yes, agree. Go see Lost City. The Lost City. It's very good. Um, my honorable mentions this week are, again, I- I'm going to go back to the Breaking Bad slash better call Saul well for this one, but I'd be remiss. I actually was considering making him my number one, hmm. but Gus Fring 
when you meet Gus Fring for the first time on this series, oh my God. Uh, again, if you have not watched the show, it is talk. I mean, tip your hat to Giancarlo Esposito for being the most amazing actor who is not only playing this character that's living a double life, but as an actor, he is making that so palpable and Mm -hmm. terrifying at the same time it is wonderful but gus fring gotta give a shout out to my man gus fring uh i love that you chose him i mean (laughs) my goodness it's my i i I can't i know michelle you already shouted out saul goodman but yeah shoot the whole better call saul series in terms of seeing him become saul goodman i think Mm -hmm. is very fascinating to watch and if you loved Breaking Bad. I can't see why you wouldn't love Better Call Saul. I'm also going to shout out another character that I've talked about on the podcast, Donald Draper from Mad Men, living that ultimate double Very life. Double life. Uh, 100% literally living someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Sorry, that was supposed to come before I the said that. The show is so old at this point. I think it's okay. Yeah, it is okay. Right, and also, no. too, it doesn't take away from anything. Mm-hmm. I think no. uh, there's you... so much that happens. So I think that's just yeah. one minor piece. Of exactly. It's just a very small uh, drop in the pool for a, an amazing television show. And then I'm going to take y'all back a few decades to y'all remember the show Alias starring the lovely Jennifer Gardner as Sydney Bristow, a CIA agent. Man, I love that show. <laughs> that fir- The first few seasons of that show was amazing. I had a great time. Talk about a badass woman living that double life. But yes, I am so excited for these characters. I loved that we were talking double lives today. Jessica, it has been so amazing to have you. I hope you had fun. I did. Thank you so much for having me and going down memory lane with all these shows. I also just want to mention, watch The Mandalorian if you hadn't seen it yet. I know everybody did, but that's another good double life one, I think. Yes. Um, So uh, I would say please check out Made Up Talk Show. Uh, Mm -hmm. Listen to Kim's episode. Listen to Ruth. Ruby Merez's episode mm-hmm. um, yeah. and uh, maybe someday I can have you on as well uh, Michelle absolutely I'd love to that'd be great. great yeah, yeah. We're, we'll, we're available on on Spotify any any podcast app you have check out made up chalk show it's a it's a comedy improv pod, pro, a comedy podcast and we have a lot of fun love it love it love it thank you again Jessica for being here um, until next time folks you know don't be living that double life live that singular life And uh, say my name. (laughs) (laughs) Eisenberg. (laughs) 